Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Journey to Grateful podcast, a podcast that helps to clarify the process of loss and grief through the experience of others who are living and growing through it. I'm your host, Tim Begonia, and this is show number 94. Through this show, we will examine what we've discovered during our grief journey. I'll share with you our experiences through the podcast, the blog, and over on social media channels while building a community, an actual family that is searching for a better understanding of what grief is, how it affects us all, and how best to navigate this difficult path. And I invite you to join the community on Facebook and Instagram, subscribe to the podcast, and find quick links to do both over at journeytograteful.com. It's time for me to ask you to help me in this mission. As you are listening to this podcast and finding value in what I share, I ask that you share an episode and the podcast with someone you feel may benefit from listening as well. And in addition, to help more people find this show, please seriously consider taking a moment, rating and reviewing the show over at Spotify, and more importantly, on Apple Podcasts. The only way to grow this show and reach more people is through your help. Now, as you grieve, I'm sure you found value in a support system of family and friends to help you navigate your loss. So let's all together reach out right now and do what we can to help others locate a resource such as this podcast to help support them through their growth through grief. Now, introducing this episode and explaining its title, The Power of Grief Groceries, requires a bit of detailed clarification, which will come later, I promise. But for now, I'd like to explain the overall premise of this episode. It's to share what I feel is the very best ways to help someone who is suffering a great personal loss. Whether you have personal experience with the passing of a close friend or family member, or you have been touched by death through an outer circle connection, I will assume you understand loss, at least on some level, and all that goes with that knowledge. Now, however, if you've not experienced loss yet, it is difficult to know what to do to really help your friend immediately after loss. Even those of us who have been exposed to loss in the past could probably use a reminder or better yet, a fresh take on better ways to help someone in their initial days and weeks after loss. Now, I believe this is something we can all get better at. And to that end, I'd like to share several ways to do so. Now let's dive into the show. I recently came to find a short story that speaks to how to help someone through their initial days with grief. It actually reminded me of the importance of being that support person for someone and reinforced what I was fortunate to learn and benefit from during the initial days and weeks after the loss of my wife Colleen in July of 2020. Through a few personal experiences as well as recent discussions, I'd like to impress upon you a better way of approaching a friend in need and how you choose to help them more effectively every time. Within the first story, I'd like you to not only focus on the overarching message, 
but be aware of the small details coming from the perspective of the person who just lost her father, her initial mindset, and the manner in which she found herself aimlessly moving through the initial days after loss. This is important aspects of grief that can help you better understand the effects of grief. Let me begin by sharing with you this particular story written by a grieving woman. Grief is a funny thing. It's the time in our life when we most need help, and also the time when asking for help is so hard. Not because we are ashamed to ask for help, although that happens sometimes too, but mostly because our brain just sort of shuts down. When my dad died, I looked functional, but I wasn't okay. Not, not at all. And when the news got out, the ton of people flooding me with calls, texts, and DMs was overwhelming. I really couldn't function. I sat on the swing in our yard and just stared into space. People called and asked what they could do to help. I had no idea. Well, anything you need at all, let me know, okay? Okay. They hung up. I stared into space some more. I had no idea what to do, what I needed. I didn't even know what to ask for. Then a friend sent a text. This friend had met my dad once, but didn't really know him. But still, she knew I was hurting. I saw who it was and almost put the phone down without reading the text, but I saw the message and it stopped me. Will you be home at 8.30 tonight? What's weird is this friend lives 12 hours from me. Yes, I replied. Okay. Ten minutes later, she said, Instacart will be there at 8.30. Open the door for them. What? I replied. Grief groceries. When Instacart showed up, they put two large bags of groceries on my porch. Frozen pizzas, ice cream, Oreo cookies, tinned soup, Stouffer's lasagna, a gallon of milk, like that. Things I could heat up if I needed a meal, or pig out on if I needed fat and sugar. Sometimes you just need to eat half a box of Oreos. Notice she didn't ask if I needed any food. I would have said no. She just asked if I would be home. Grief groceries. Another friend who lives out of town asked me to name a restaurant near our house where we like to eat. There is a local chain near our house, sort of a deli. When we eat there, we typically spend about $25. An hour later, there is a gift card in my inbox for $250 for that restaurant. Yes, that is a lot of money, and I understand not everyone can do that. But the wonderful thing was that because it was enough for multiple meals, we didn't try to save it for quote-unquote, the right time. We ate there that night and chose takeout from there over the course of the next month on nights when we just didn't have the spoons to cook. Both of those gift givers knew something I didn't know. That when you're grieving, you don't want to make decisions. Now, that's not quite it. You can't make decisions. You hit decision fatigue really fast. So I guess what I'm saying is don't ask grieving people to make big choices or decisions. How can I help is a big choice. 
but can I take the kids this afternoon so you can have some time to yourself is a much smaller one. Will you be home tonight is a small choice. What restaurant do you like is a small decision. Just showing up to cut their grass because you noticed it needed cutting is loads better than asking, do you want me to cut the grass? Or I'm going to Target. What can I get while I'm there is much better than can I run errands for you? It won't always be like this. If you stick around, eventually they will surface and ways to be helpful will make themselves known. But in the first few days, especially, it helps to remove as many decisions from their plate as you can. Now, I'm sure the previous story has you now thinking about how to help someone much differently than you may have done in the past. It might have triggered you to come up with additional unique ways to help, and more importantly, more effective ways. I'll continue this line of thinking with a few stories of my own, several I've shared in various episodes here, but they are well worth repeating. The detail I appreciate most in the previous article was the viewpoint of the griever and how, when asked how someone could help them, they didn't even know what to ask for. That's an important distinction of people dealing with tragedy or grief. They truly are lost in those moments and find it difficult to think straight. And here we as helpers, are trying to help, but we typically put upon them an unfair and sometimes daunting question. How can we help? As you've heard in that story, this is simply too general and much too broad of a question for someone in that state of mind to answer. Now, a good friend of ours has had much experience with challenging illnesses in her family, finding many times in her life where lengthy hospital stays for her children have taxed her daily ability to run her life and her home for the rest of her family. That experience was shared with me when it became her turn on our meal train many years ago. Now, I need to pause here just for a moment to explain that this friend is a bold, loving, straightforward kind of woman who pulls no punches and is such a breath of fresh air with her honesty and matter-of-fact personality. She contacted me just before her scheduled date and simply started out by saying, you don't want me to cook. My kids would even agree. I'd like to know what restaurant your family enjoys and exactly what you would like from there. I will only get what you request. I will not add two tubs of fancy salads and goat cheese and a vegetable you've never heard of, nor a sheet cake or a bucket of organic brownies. I will get what you want and what you will eat. What a refreshing message and exactly her personality. For all of us, there's a lesson in there. Don't overdo it. Stop with the party pans of some sort of exotic stuffed shell concoction that feeds 25 people and bring something closer to what a normal meal would be. There's no need for three types of artesian bakery items. Keep it simple. So this friend went on to add expectations for her drop-off of our food. She will ring the doorbell, hand over the bag of food, and kindly say, enjoy and get out of our hair. She understood when you are dealing with the messes of life, the last thing you want to do is entertain the people who are trying to help you. That's why she will bring the food, drop off the food, 
and allow us to enjoy the food without the need for us to chat for 20 minutes while standing in the doorway watching the food get cold. And in her providing us help and the manner in which she did so, it showed me we all could do better helping others when it's our turn to show up at their door with a meal and a hug. We as people who suffer grief can understand, truly understand the situation which brings us to their door. And we can honor that by dropping off a reasonable amount of food and pulling back from our society-imposed need to come in and chat a bit. Let the family you are trying to help be helped. Not by your need to catch up and entertain you, but by you providing something to make their day, that moment, easier. Now here's another story focused on offering help in a unique manner. A mother of our son's friend, who lives in our neighborhood, happened to call one afternoon. Her and I had a nice, honest chat about how everything was going as we engaged hospice for my wife. I had joked about the weeds at the road in front of the house and how they had gotten out of control over the past couple of weeks and were taking over. She laughed and understood. Early the next morning, I let out our dog as usual, but this time I noticed him barking a bit more than usual. I looked out our bedroom window and toward the front yard where his barking was originating And I noticed an SUV parked out front, the back wide open, and a few people in our landscaped berm. Going out, I discovered that same friend I had spoke to the day before. Her daughter and a friend of theirs were pulling weeds. I wouldn't think someone pulling weeds could mean so much as a way to help during a crisis, but I'm here to tell you it certainly did. It was one of the nicest spur-of-the-moment things I had ever witnessed, and it was truly beautiful. Now, another unique way we received support was through the removal of a weekly summer responsibility, our lawn. Now, we've had a lawn service owned by a friend take care of our lawn for years, something Colleen began since the passing of her husband. One day, I finally had a chance to say hello to our friend, the owner of the lawn service, while he was out doing the lawn. And if I recall, I asked about the bill as I hadn't received one the month prior. And that is when he informed me for the rest of the season. The bill was taken care of by a few other extended family members. He was told to send it directly to them to take care of without question. And so this slice of support, this opportunity, someone saw where they could reach out and lend their support when all else was tumbling around us was their way of showing us their love and lending a hand in a manner they knew would be beneficial. And isn't that what we always hope for when we offer a helping hand? To do something that matters for someone so that your support can actually make a difference and truly lighten their load. And one last example of thinking outside the box as you are trying to find a way to help someone in need of support and comfort came from another mother of one of my son's friends. Now keep in mind, there's one similarity here with all of these examples. It's the absence of asking what the person needs. These people just 
did something, something they considered to be helpful, filling a perceived need at the time, or finding a solution for a problem in the moment, or even anticipating something that was going to be needed in the days to come. So in this story, our friend arrived one day with two large boxes filled with brown paper lunch bags. Each bag was pre-filled with a snack and a treat, needing only a sandwich to be added to complete a lunch for the school day of each of the boys. For an entire month. (laughs) I don't recall where this idea came from for her, but knowing who she is, I believe she saw a need in the weeks to come as the boys would be approaching a new school year soon without their mother, fresh from our loss, and she understood how this could make our mornings in those few weeks ahead just a bit easier. There is much to be learned from loss and so much to be learned from helping someone through it. We've been very fortunate to be on the receiving end of many thoughtful people and their undying support. Whether it has been a stack of gift cards to our favorite custard stand and hamburger joint, or an offer to take the boys for an afternoon so I could personally take care of the many new details life had suddenly tossed my way. Each piece of support we have received over the initial months and now over the past through few years has been special in their own way. And to use a term which may be well overused, the support we've received has been truly priceless. Now, three years later, I find a need to pay forward that support where I can. And we've had a close friend struggle with cancer as well. She passed about a year and a half ago. She was a friend and walking buddy of my wife's, a very good friend to her during the treatments which they both experienced, and a mother of one of the boy's friends. During their time of need, when her illness was becoming more difficult, I borrowed the idea of providing a stack of gift cards to fast food favorites around town to lighten the load of daily meals for a household which had several different schedules. It was a very little way for me to begin to give back and to pay forward all we had received and experienced and just simply be there for someone we cared for, but for which we certainly had no idea how we could possibly help. And surprisingly, at my bereavement group meeting just this past week, I discovered another wonderful way of paying it forward even years after loss. Now, the story came from an amazingly strong woman in the group who had lost her 27-year-old son two years before, and she had just navigated the two-year anniversary of his loss, which also happened to be on his birthday. Now, with her son in mind, she walked into a bakery, asked if there were any child birthday cakes being picked up that day. When she found there was, she asked to pay for it in honor of her son. What a wonderful way to pay it forward, to honor her son in a celebratory manner in which she can help someone else who is fortunate to be celebrating their child's birthday, and in turn, celebrating her son's birthday. This one touched me very deeply. I couldn't help but begin to wonder how could I take a cue from this kindness and honor Colleen sometime in the future. I'm still thinking on this, and I will share it with you when I decide 
what may come about. Now, I hope this episode has provided you a small glimpse in understanding the power of this idea of grief groceries, or whatever it is you do that is similar in support of others. To help someone in need during an illness or a loss, not with the standard, what do you need, question, but instead with the understanding that asking what someone may need is often more daunting than you may realize. Many times it will be met with a cordial, I'll let you know, which will likely never happen. Because honestly, they simply don't know. In that moment, they can't know. So let's see if we all can come up with some way to fill a need they may have without asking them to redirect their focus from their own healing path that they are currently trying to navigate. Keep in mind, support is just that. It's a way to help lift and hold someone who is struggling to stay standing and move through this moment in their life by simply choosing to do or provide something that is helpful and implementing it without question may be far more impactful and priceless than you will ever know. Thank you again for listening to the Journey to Grateful podcast. It cannot exist without your help in listening and sharing. So know that I'm grateful for you and your support right here, right now. I encourage you to stop by the community on social media and let your voice be heard. Share your story and join my mission in helping others through grief. Over at journeytograteful.com community, you will find ways to join the conversation and make a difference with your story and what you've learned yourself. Now, while you're on the site, sign up for my bi-monthly newsletter designed to provide you inspiration and motivation. And if you would like a more personal connection, I invite you to connect with me via email. It's at tim at journeytograteful.com. But let's not stop there. Why not give me a call, leave me a voicemail, or simply text me whenever you'd like to share something. The phone number is 262-298-2428. That's 262-298-CHAT. And lastly, I need you to consider stepping up and helping me build this community, broaden my reach, and support my mission by reviewing this show and telling others why you listen. I've provided for you a leave a review button on the journeytograteful.com website's homepage and the podcast page. Your support of this podcast through your comments is a powerful thing you can do right now for this community, and I would so appreciate if you could. Now, today's closing quote is from Clarence Buddington Kellen, who wrote, My father didn't tell me how to live. He lived and let me watch him do it. Now, I've chosen this quote not as much to tie into grief and inspiration, nor support and specific suggestions, but instead to remind us the best way to teach is by doing. When faced with someone in your life who could use a hug, hug them. When discovering a friend is hurting and could use help, find a way to help. And in our actions, for our children and ourselves, love is in the doing. Caring is in the being there for someone. 
It doesn't matter if you bring a gift or a plate to pass, lifting someone and holding them can easily be in the time you spend with them, the moments that you make all theirs and theirs alone, or the unseen help you provide because it was simply needed. Thank you again, my friends, for joining me today. Let me know your thoughts on today's episode or any previous episodes. And for those who are walking their path with grief, I hope you find a way to walk confidently on your journey to grateful. Bye-bye.